Maybe not. There I am. All right. You may be seated. Thank you. All right. And there I am again. Let's see. We want to make sure you're awake. Uh, the youth are stepping back there with Miss Ruthie. She's right there in the back. If you're from uh, sixth grade all the way through high school, head back there to Miss Ruthie and she'll take you down to where you guys are going to meet. Thank you. It's so awesome to be with you. I hope you had an amazing Christmas. We did. And uh, we are looking forward to all that God has planned for us in the coming new year. And this very moment marks a significant day for us in history just because God is good, isn't he? He's so good. He's so good. All right, so here we go. We're going to ask you our accountability questions that we ask every week. Did you spend at least five minutes a day, at least five days last week, reading or listening to God's word? Did you spend some time alone with him this week with no agenda? We'll talk about that in the message today. Did you know that the Holy Spirit is saying to you, do you have any clue that God is speaking to you at all? Yes. Good. All right. Are you given as God has asked you to give in your time, your talents, and your resources? Yes. I'm still ringing back here, brother, just so you know. Uh, did you share Jesus with someone this week? Yes. Did you invite someone to church with you today? Beautiful. There's some cards up here to help you with that if you didn't get those uh, yet. There's uh, some here and there's probably some in the back. All right. I know uh, the, the atmosphere changes uh, as we're going through the seasons and stuff, and so you just bear with us as we work this out, because I know I'm going to get a little louder than this, and it's already ringing, so I tend to not be able to like stay in a calm, quiet spot very long, which we'll talk about that today as well. As we celebrate all that God has done for us and all that he is doing, we did have one of the best Christmases we've had in many years. My wife and I were blessed, yeah, to have our family with us, to wake up with the kids in the house and uh, the little kids, um, nieces and nephews and all them running around and some of our grandkids as well. And uh, it was crazy and fun at the same time. And uh, you know, it's truly a blessing to have family gathered together to celebrate Jesus. And uh, he is what it's all about, and he is so amazing to us, and we're so grateful. As we step into 2024 with all that it offers, we need to begin to set ourselves up for victory and not defeat. And so the way that we want to do that is by looking at what God wants to say to us and to challenge us, and how we can like, understand some things better going forward and, and know that victory is ours for the taking. It is. God has provided it for us already. There are always going to be discouragements. I just want to just speak truth to you right now. 2024 will have discouragements for you. It will. It's going to have challenges that are bigger than you can handle. There's going to be chaos. There's going to be stress. There's going to be relationship problems. But in Christ, there is always peace in the storms and victory on the other side. And so when we understand that going in, we have something the world doesn't have. They're delusional. And so as we look, we look with faith, but we also have eyes to see that are prophetic eyes that God has spoken to us, that we will face trials and tribulations in this world, but he's bigger, he's greater, and he's overcome all of them. And therefore, it is critical for us as believers to put our full trust in him in every situation that we find, and that we don't allow situations to mess with us, and especially in our faith. Church, we serve a God who does not lose. He does not lose. And therefore, victory is secured for me when I stand secure in him. 
If I step out of him and try and do the battle, problems every single time. But when we step in by faith with God, we are guaranteed victory. So I want you to know that 2024 has an incredible amount of victories ahead. It does. It's our choice whether we live in victory in 2024 and defeat. So as we look at what God's word says to us, we're going to turn to something rather unique to talk about as we go, because we're going to go to the book of Lamentations. If you know your Bible, you'll know that the prophet Jeremiah wrote this book, and he's known as the weeping prophet because all he saw was destruction throughout his whole entire prophetic message. The whole season that God called him was speaking words of judgment and discipline that were coming upon God's people as a result of them only being God's people in name and not in conduct. And so Jeremiah, being a man of God, calling out the people and telling them they need to align by God's ways and repent from their old ways and turn back to God, they would not listen. And therefore, in Jeremiah's prayer times, which is his lamentations, he is praying out to God, talking about the issues that he is seeing in his life and all around him. Let's read what he says here in this, in Lamentations 3.22. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. Isn't that awesome? (laughs) Okay, as we read the scriptures there and we look at what God is saying to us, therefore it says, I say to myself, The Lord is my inheritance, therefore I will hope in him. You see, Jeremiah was looking beyond the material, physical things that he had as an inheritance and his nation, and he said, the Lord himself is my inheritance. This is what gave him the joy in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the problems, in the midst of the chaos. He saw God as his inheritance. He saw something beyond the physical world around him into the real life, spiritual relationship that God offers to us. And in that, Jeremiah cries out, therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. This is God's word right here, church, and it tells us right here, we will face. I want everybody to hear me. This is a prophetic word for 2024. We are going to face economical uncertainty. Well, that wasn't real prophetic, was it? We're going to. We can do that individually, collectively, nationally, and globally. We're going to have those economic challenges. We're going to face political unrest and division. This is an election year. You know, I mean, I don't see our nation all coming together in harmony and saying, oh, thank God, here's our new president. Let's all get together and have a great time. As we look back on the elections in recent history, we see that these elections bring forth division and unrest. And therefore, right now, as we look ahead into 2024, without an incredible move of God, which I'm praying for, there's going to be division and unrest, probably like you and I have never seen in our lives. Yes, like we've never seen in our lives. It's coming, church. You see, the enemy's all about division and God's all about unity. And since God is not the God of our nation any longer, division is coming. 
There you go. We are going to face wars and rumors of wars. We will face personal crisis. Some of us will face health issues, strains in relationships. So, is this a moment to get depressed about 2024? No. Church, here it is. You see, when we live with the Lord as our hope, as we just read in Lamentations, it doesn't matter what's happening around us. It doesn't even matter if the very nation we live in is crumbling around us. When we live in the hope of the Lord and we see him as our inheritance and he is our all in all, that our identity is found in him, who we are, what we are, and what we do is all about him, it doesn't matter. All right? So as we look at this church, we have to see that God tells us this. When we live with the Lord as our hope, allowing the fullness of our surrender, trust, and obedience in the midst of everything that we're going to face, his mercies never cease, and they are new every morning. He is an amazing God, isn't he? Oh. I have chills right now because I think how incredible God is that his mercies are new every morning, every day. We have the opportunity to start over every single day we are given. When we awaken ourselves in the morning, we have an opportunity for new mercies of God. It doesn't matter how badly you screwed up yesterday. No matter what you did yesterday or didn't do yesterday or what catastrophe you were involved in, the mercies of God are available today. Now, I mean, that, that is a reason right there for us to get excited and celebrate. Amen. Yeah. That's not telling you to go out there and screw up today and count on tomorrow because you don't know you're going to have it tomorrow. But the mercies are new right now. And if you're listening, God's mercies are available for you in this very moment. And he is incredible, isn't he? I mean, none of us deserve that. I, oh, anyway, you know, y'all messed up. So. <laughs> so it is good to wait quietly for... I'm reading the scriptures further. You ready? So it is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. So when we look at what he's saying, he's like in the midst of the chaos, the craziness. It's really good to just wait quietly for God to do something in the midst of it all. Wait quietly for God to do something. Not many of us are good at that. No, wait quietly. I wait, I do. Uh, and I think we should, we're, we're invited by God to pray about the situations, you know. But one of my struggles is how long do I wait? You know, because I think 30 seconds is a long time. I... <laughs> <laughs> And when we're hitting like the five-minute mark, I'm like, yep, it's time. Something needs to happen. There's this thing that goes off inside of me, for real. Like, I don't care what we're doing. If Let's just say Kim and I are watching something together, like a nice, wholesome Christmas movie or something. Something happens inside of me where I just have to get up and move. Like, I'm like, okay, time's up. I'm done. All right. I mean, I may do a little pass and come back down and sit with her or something, or she's learned to just like she has control of the controller. So uh, she just pauses it, and I'm like, no, no, really, you don't have to wait. That's okay. You can go ahead watching that. I'll be back. All right. But anyway, long story short, here it is. I got this problem that I can't like wait well, I don't sit well. And as I look in the Word of God and he says that 
It's to quietly wait for God to do something. I ask myself, Lord, I prayed, how long do I wait? And then when do I start looking for ways around the situation? <laughs> no, I mean, it is waiting. I waited. I mean, I'm expecting something to happen that I'm like, oh, if you're waiting on me, I'll, I'll handle it then. Right? You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, God, I've given you that opportunity. And since you're not moving, you obviously want me to. So let's do this. <laughs> All right. Well, some of us maybe are more prone to wait, but they're not quiet. We're complaining the whole while. Like, you know, man, this sucks. Why is this happening? This is the stupidest thing. This should be different than it is. God, what are you doing? Why aren't you changing this situation? Why we're standing still and we think we're waiting for God, but we're still griping the whole time. It says to quietly wait before God. You know how many times that I've done stuff for God? <laughs> that he was like, yeah, well, good. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I got a little good, you know, gold star on my little sticker on the wall in my uh, palace up there somewhere. I don't know. But it wasn't like he was telling me to do that. But I waited, and since he wasn't doing it, I did it for him. <laughs> and in the middle, <laughs> I did. I'm like, I want you to know that. I did it for him wholeheartedly. <laughs> and then I got up, and I was exhausted. And whenever you do something for God and you're exhausted afterwards, you probably didn't do it for God. Because he says, take my yoke upon you, it is easy. And my burden is light. Whenever we take it on self, it becomes burdensome and hard and difficult. And we feel like we have to make a way. And God's like, would you just slow down just for a moment? Like one of God's moments, not your moment. So we're going to keep reading in Lamentations there. Just, I just wanted to have that moment of confession with you and see, invite you into that space to see if you can relate to that. But let's see what God says about this as we look into the scriptures. So it is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. And it is good for people to submit at an early age to the yoke of his discipline. Let them sit alone in silence beneath the Lord's demands. Let them lie face down in the dust, for there may be hope at last. Let them turn the other cheek to those who strike them and accept the insults of their enemies, for no one is abandoned by the Lord forever. Though he brings grief, he also shows compassion because of the greatness of his unfailing love, for he does not enjoy hurting people or causing them sorrow. Oh, so you know that old adage that many of you as a child heard from one of your parents, this hurts me more than it does you? You know, the, and as a child, you're like, you're a liar. <laughs> Give me the belt and I'll see who hurts who, right? You know, you know what I'm saying? All right. Well, <laughs> this is God's heart right here as he loves us. You see, he loves us enough to discipline us and put us in a situation that hurts us. If that is what is required for us to surrender fully to who he is in our life. And so as we're fighting with God, and we would never think that's what we're doing, but as we're wrestling with God to do the things that are in front of us, 
and the yoke begins to get heavy, and the shoulders begin to get weary, and the heart begins to ache, and we continue to push forward. Sometimes we as people of God misinterpret this as spiritual warfare when it's really the discipline of our Father. And the reason why he is disciplining us as we see this is that he's calling us into this relationship with him of submission. See, like, that, that, that whole irritation of, of my physical self that doesn't want to wait. As we read what Jeremiah said to us, he said, you know, it's good to learn that discipline from the Lord that he's saying, wait. And then he said, you know, even leave face down in the ashes. And it's like, man... You know, I mean, for me to just pause and lay down before God, you know what would happen for real? I'd be like, when's the last time this floor was vacuumed? <laughs> There's like spots everywhere. You know, I mean, it's like he's... Lord, help me, man. I'm like, God, you know, to wait before you and to be invited by the creator of the universe to be quiet with him and allow him to do something. I mean, there's an open invitation from God for us to wait before him and bring our crisis, our situations, everything that's going on around us and just be with him with it and let God do something about it. Man, I suck at that. I mean, like, seriously, when you think about it, I do bring it to him. I have a prayer list. I have reminders in my phone, and I'm talking to God about all that stuff, and I kind of, like, just dump it on him, and I'm like, I'm expecting him to do something. I don't mean that disrespectfully. I mean, I'm supposed to bring it to him, but I do that in the mornings and throughout my day, and then I'm on my way. I'm running. I'm doing. I'm being. Okay, so we all need discipline from time to time to keep us in line. God loves us, and he will discipline us when it's necessary. He's not doing it for his own good. The Word of God just told us he doesn't want that to happen. He just wants us to do the right thing. And yet, we continue to kind of struggle with that, and so discipline is required. It's so easy to get off track and start to become self-reliant and self-driven. And the Lord knows that self will always bring about destruction. It will never bring about the God result. And in his mercy, he may have to give us a timeout or a SWAT to get us back on track. So just curious, like when you were giving a child, a grandchild, or someone a timeout, how long do you make them sit? You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, like how long? So we want it to be long enough that they understand. We're telling them the process that we may go in there and talk to them about it, ask them for a response, and then if they don't give us the response, we let them sit there longer. I'm thinking of us as parents and grandparents, right? So now as we think about that, or while they're sitting, if they're complaining the entire time they're sitting in timeout, do you just reward them and say, okay, you can get up now? And yet, we expect God to just deal with us like that, don't we? Like, as I, I'm being quiet, you sat me down, I'm here, I'm being obedient, here I am. Now, if you just have fixed that situation in the first place, I wouldn't even be sitting here. 
<laughs> if things would have been different, I would have reacted differently. If they were submitted to you, I would have never thought those things. We have all this stuff that we bring to God, and he's like, would you just like sit there for just a moment and be quiet? I'm trying to discipline you. So, you know, we, my wife and I, we've been married for a while. Our kids are grown and married. We desired to have our children young and, uh, and enjoy their life and their kids, our grandkids' life with them. And so we've had an empty nest, so to speak. We don't have an empty nest pretty much ever, but I'm saying like our own kids have gotten married and they're moved out and we have people stay with us uh, periodically. And so over Thanksgiving and over Christmas, we've had our family stay with us. We love having you. I'm just going to use an illustration here, but kids, you can just plug your ears for just a moment if you want to. Uh, so... <laughs> The kids are great. They are. They're amazing kids, well-mannered, excellent kids. But there hasn't been a day where someone didn't get some kind of discipline, even though they're excellent kids. At some point every day, someone has had to be talked to, addressed, or dealt with in a situation, right? Anybody that's around kids, you already know that. Right now in Kids XP, I guarantee you there's three or four of them that are getting, <laughs> trying to get them in line and where they need to be. So if you just look around this room and you see the size of the family of God that is assembled here right now, far outnumbering our gatherings in our house, and I see this, I think, just think how many are getting some God-directed necessary discipline right now. <laughs> All right. And we're like, yeah, God, let them know. Get it. They need it. <laughs> All right. All right. So what God's trying to do is get us in line or keep us in line or awaken us to the need of being in line. Right? It's all happening at once. So my thought is that there's probably a whole lot of stuff happening right now, both in-house and online where God's discipline is coming down upon us to awaken us. Because, you know, as we face things and things we're going through, a lot of times, I mentioned this a little bit ago, but I'm going to say it again, is that we think the devil is creating some kind of spiritual warfare in front of us and that we're doing this spiritual battle. And the fact of the matter is God's the one taking you behind the woodshed to whip you. And you're like praying through it and saying like, I'm going to endure this battle. And it's like, you're not enduring nothing. You're getting whooped. All right, so stop like giving the devil credit for something that God's trying to wake you up to. All right, we, we're like, we are in a spiritual war. There's no question about that. But the biggest war that we are fighting is the war of self being in control and the lack of our own surrender to the God who's calling us into this relationship in the first place. <laughs> All right. So I want to say it again, the devil gets way too much credit for stuff. He does. He is not, he's not omnipresent. He's not omniscient. If you don't know what that means, good. You should be happy. What I mean is he's not every place all the time. He's not all powerful. He is only the devil in one place at one time because he's not God. So as we understand that then... Maybe if we stepped back from the thing that we are in the midst of and the thing we've been praying against, think about that for just a second. We're praying against something and we're praying and saying, God, give victory over this. And God's like, uh, I'm the one that's doing it. 
<laughs> and I'm trying to get you to wake up. All right? So I don't think if prayer is going to relieve that, right? Nor should it. As a matter of fact, it might get a little heavier because he's trying to wake us up, man. He's like, hey, this is about me, God, not you, self. Huh. So maybe, just maybe, right now God's saying, you need to put your face in some ashes. Because you got way too much of yourself involved in everything. <laughs> when I read the Bible and I see what God says to us, I think that a lot of these things that we are going through are... More disciplined than warfare. I really do. In my own life, especially, I do believe that. I'm going to read to you in Hebrews chapter 12. Listen to what God's word says. And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, This is from Proverbs, by the way. My child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Who ever heard of a child who was never disciplined by its father? If God doesn't discipline you as a, he does, sorry, but that screen flipped on me, so I'm going to read that again. We're going to go back one and see if this works this time. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Who ever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and not really his children at all. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Oh, all right. So yeah, don't be overcome by that discipline. Instead, take a new grip. He's like, you know, you get tired. Your hands are weary. Your knees are shaking. He's like, well, grab on. And hold on better, because God's doing something, and he's pulling you someplace that he's trying to get you, and most of us are on the other end like it's a tug of war rather than a following. <laughs> so we're going to be disciplined. I mean, I hope we're being disciplined. I want to be disciplined. I want to be a child of God. I want my discipline to be easy, <laughs> and I want an ice cream after. <laughs> I want that affirmation of his love. Oh, guess what? He says, there is one. You're going to partake of his holiness. In other words, you're going to know that you have a stronger, greater relationship with God as a result of what he just put you through. 
God's amazing, isn't he? So what he's telling us is we're going to be stronger in him. Our faith will be stronger and even more Christ-like when the discipline ends. I don't ever remember a discipline in my childhood where I felt that way. Never. No way. I had revenge in my mind all the time. This is completely different. Church, this is God speaking to us. And so in light of this, as we consider the fact that God is at work and doing something in our lives, let's get a new grip. Let's do that. Let's mark a straight path before us heading into the new year. What direction are you heading? Think about it. What direction are you heading? The call of God is to be more like Christ. The word of God says so. If you're not heading towards Christ-likeness, then where are you heading? To not Christ-likeness. Okay, that was a no-brainer. You're welcome. Ephesians 4, listen to the word of God. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. So church, as we read that scripture, this is what I hear in there with you. We are called to do his work, to be built up and to build up, to measure up, to mature, growing more and more like Christ. Those are significant statements to us. There's an expectation for all of us that this is supposed to be a progression in Christ-likeness. That we also are not just being grown in Christ-likeness for self, but for the entire body of Christ as we move as one towards that incredible goal of being like Christ. And therefore, the call of God is for us to make that straight path, just like we just read. Looking forward in 2024, I'm like, we all need to be on the same path. If we're on the same path, that will create a unity that is not available any other way. We will have like-mindedness because we are pursuing Christ. We will be building one another up because it's no longer about self. So if you want to see something change in your life, if you want to see something change in your home, if you want to see something change in your church, God's given us the formula right there in front of us. It's in his holy word. We can begin the work or we can continue in the work that God created for us when we were formed in our mother's womb. It can start today or it can continue today. One way or the other, it needs to happen. Whether it's a new work for you or if it's a continuing on that journey. But I want you to know, church, there's no limits to the possibility that are before us. No limits. The only limits are ones that we have instilled in our faith and in our God. There is nothing he can't do. 
And therefore, as we open up this opportunity that is before us, let's make that path straight before us, straight at Jesus Christ and none other. Keep your eyes firmly locked on him, going in that direction, doing whatever he says, letting go of everything he tells us to let go of, and make the disciplines as short as possible. That's our choice. We can live a disciplined year 2024 where I just go from one time out to another. Or I can learn something and mature and grow and have that discipline not weigh down heavy on me. Not spend so much time on my face in the ashes. Oh, man, Lord, I want to look up. I want to keep moving. I want to be in that direction, the one that you have set before me. So we are going to do some action steps here more than usual. So don't like pack your stuff up and think he's done. I'm not re-preaching the message. Those of you that have been around here, you know, it's action steps. Where are we going for lunch? No, just hold on just a second. Okay. All right. This is your practice of being quiet before the Lord. See how long this action steps take today. I know some of you will put me on the clock. I already know that because I'm wired like you. So in conclusion, which you know doesn't mean a thing for any pastor, <laughs> right? <laughs> what is the single most obvious thing in your life that does not measure up to Christ-likeness? Just one thing. See, God's not trying to overwhelm us. As I was praying about this, this is exactly what the Lord was prompting me with. Is what is that one thing? in your life that is not Christ-like, the most obvious. You don't have to search, pray, and fast, and wait. You already know it. You know that one thing, just one. Change it right now. Church, it's time to change it. It's, it's time for us to put that stuff aside and step into the fullness that God has for us. There is nothing holding you back from making that change except you. The power of God is available. He died to make it possible. This isn't for everybody else but you. It's for you. The power of God is available. Isn't that awesome? So why would we not take advantage of that and make that change? Why wouldn't we? All right, here's one more. What one thing can you start doing to build up the church around you? Well, I read it in the scriptures, right? We are called... I'm here as your pastor to equip you to do the work of the kingdom, right? That's what the Word of God just told us. And so as we consider that then, what is the one thing you can do to start building up the church, the body of Christ, around you? All right, just one thing. I'm not asking you to pretend. I'm not asking you to make suggestions to me on what I need to do. I'm saying what can you do? One thing to build up the church around you. A lot of people have a lot of great ideas that the church ought to do, and they tell me a lot of times what the church ought to do, and then they leave. <laughs> God's Word says that you're supposed to do the work of the kingdom in the church, right? That's what we read, all right? You can tell me what you're going to do, but don't drop it in my lap, okay? Just saying. All right, so let's go on. Here's your next action step. What are you going through right now? that might be distant from, from the Lord and you've not considered it to be that. What are you facing? 
maybe it's God doing it, and you've been praying against it all this time, claiming victory and trying to walk over it, and God's like, hey, woo, hey, I'm right here. I'm the one doing this, right? I'm saying just consider it. I'm not telling you it is. I'm saying would you consider that possibility? Let's do some self-examination and respond accordingly. Let the Holy Spirit speak to us and share with us what it is that God has to say about that situation that you are currently in, right now in that very moment. Here's the next one. I told you there's more than normal. So, do you need to spend some quiet time with God simply waiting on Him? You know, just, just shut up. <laughs> I need that. I mean that kindly. You know what I mean? Like, stop talking all the time. Just listen. Let God speak. A lot of times we don't know what the Holy Spirit's saying because we haven't given Him the moment. And when we do, we expect Him to jump. I've told you guys before, like, I have, I created some paths around our house that I have periodically at times walked to talk and pray and be with God. And I told you that time, and it's been several years ago now, where the Lord just told me, just to be still and know that I am God. I was walking, I can tell you right now, right next to the round pen in that side of our, there's a faucet right there and it was as clear as a bell, be still and know that I am God. I was in the middle of praying and walking. And I was like, I stopped walking, I froze because I knew it was God. I knew it in my heart. It wasn't an audible voice, it was right here, be still and know that I am God. And it was like, ooh, okay. So I stood there and I was waiting because I was expecting a vision, a mystical appearance, some revelation, and nothing was happening. So I, um, I set my timer for five minutes on my phone. For real, I'm not being honest with you. I set it down next to me and I sat down. I figured, well, if he wants me to be still, I'll do this. So I set my phone down and I was just, well, I'm still expecting some amazing thing from God, right? And so I'm sitting there, and it's taking a while, and I look at my phone, and there's still three minutes and 21 seconds of the five minutes <laughs> that I gave God to talk, right? For real, I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. I was like, ooh, that's embarrassing. Sorry, God, you know? And I'd love to tell you that I didn't look at it again until the alarm went off, but I didn't. I looked at it again, because I was like, did that thing work, and do I have that on silent? Because it's had to have been five minutes by now, and it was still a minute and, I think, 35 seconds left as that timer was going down, and I was like, Lord, man, I am jacked up. What is wrong with me? I'm sorry. I shut that thing off, and I waited. But you know, nothing happened. So I was like, okay, good enough. I'm out. <laughs> Stood up and started walking and praying again. And nothing ever came of that for like a few weeks. And I didn't understand it. I'm thinking, God, I was quiet. Nothing happened. What was going on there? And a few weeks later, you know, he reminded me of that moment. And when he did, he was like, I wanted you to just be quiet. That's it. That was the revelation. I was like, oh, so I talk too much. <laughs> Seems like my conversations with God are usually one-sided. <laughs> Can you imagine if you saw God on his throne? We wouldn't say a word. 
All you have to do is read your Bible. Anytime even an angel shows up, the people there are struck in and all. And here I am, running my mouth, saying like, hey, God, time to do something. Lord, forgive me that the creator of the universe has invited this to us. We're making decisions that impact our lives, our families' lives, the people. We're making decisions like that, and we're like giving God 30 seconds to respond in the moment, and then we just go make the decision. It's crazy, isn't it, when you think about it? We're talking about our eternal souls now, church. Do you know him as your personal savior? Do you know him? If you don't know him, I want you to know he loves you. I am not who I was, thank God, but I am definitely not Jesus yet. I'm on a journey. Church, let's, let's continue on that journey and continue to grow and understand that discipline and walk with God. Would you stand with me? The altar's always open, you know that. If God's speaking to you about anything, would you respond to him? Would you come forward? He loves you. He loves you. He is not trying to hurt us. He's trying to lead us into Christ-likeness. And sometimes that does bring pain. It does. Because we need to wake up and see the surrender that is necessary in our lives to be everything that he died to make us. Thank you, Father. Thank you so much. <laughs> Lord, we want to set a straight path before us into this new year. We want Jesus to be the ultimate goal. As we set our goals for the earth to be Christ-like, to be more Christ-like at the end of 2024 than we've ever been in our lives. No greater goal. <laughs> no greater accomplishment that we could ever obtain here on earth than that. Lead us, Lord. We look forward to countless victories in the days ahead as we celebrate your amazing Godness. Thank you for these moments that we have together, Lord. Thank you. They're so special. In your name we pray, Lord. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, church. I love you. You just wait with him. Be here as long as you need to. God bless you. Have a happy new year. Excited about what's ahead. Thanks for joining us in worship today.